0: You're listening to the JC and Morgan podcast presented by BP Skinner Clothiers. Folks, if you want to make sure that you look your very best, don't settle for the department store down the street or you're getting something off the rack that is lesser quality and you're dealing with salespeople that sometimes, let's face it, can be a little bit pushy. Get a guy whose sole goal is to make sure you look your very best and he goes out of his way to do so. When I say out of his way, I mean he's coming to you no matter where you're listening to us on this podcast. Brent Skinner, a BP Skinner Clothiers will come on out you book an appointment on the website bpskinnerclothiers.com he'll have a consultation with you he'll bring the samples of some of the most luxurious fabrics from the finest mills in Europe for you to look through as they begin to design your custom garment after that it's a few weeks and you are done. It's mailed to you at your door, and you're ready to go. You, like me and so many others that Brent has worked with, will notice the difference in how you look and how you feel, and the price is right. Again, go to the website bpskinnerclothiers.com, set up an appointment with Brent Skinner. He'll come to you no matter where you are in the country, and you will begin to look your very best. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. We're previewing. We're previewing. It's the preview installment of J.C. and Morgan. Welcome, and hopefully you're geared up for another exciting week of college football. Week number nine. We are getting to the point, J.C., we're getting closer and closer to November, where we know the premier matchups seem to be, but we got some good games on the board this week.
1: Yeah, I think so, Mike. Um, you know, it's uh, as we get closer and closer towards November, the the, the schedules obviously uh, end up being better. I always look when the World Series starts. You know, that's when I know there's probably some doggone good college football games coming up. Um, SMU in Houston, if Dana Holgerson hadn't decided to redshirt half of his team, which is bizarre. Um, <laughs> You know, that would have been a good one. We talked about SMU in the earlier uh, installment this week, uh, being the group of five team that's kind of got the inside track. Wisconsin-Ohio State would have been a titanic ball game, And, and, and this is, this is one, one of the things I do like about the Big Ten. You know, obviously I'm an SEC-ACC guy. I love the noon kickoffs when it's cold. hmm You know, and it's, it's a noon kickoff, noon Eastern time on Fox – Smart broadcasting uh, move there to get the, the big games in that noon slot. Um, I, but, you know, the Badgers let me down last week, <laughs> losing to Illinois after I bragged about them. So they can kind of play spoiler. My question for you, Mike, is this. And, and, I, and I've watched some Ohio State. Or you've watched Ohio State. We, we probably haven't watched as much of it because they, they really simply haven't played in a lot of big games. But there's a lot of talk out there. They're the best team in the country. I mean, they're, they're, they, they leapfrog Clemson in the polls, the, the AP poll, which doesn't mean a whole lot. But uh, there's a lot of talk. Justin Fields seems to be a good fit for that offense. Ryan Day has not lost a game as a head coach, um, which is pretty awesome, I think, for that guy. But, you know, your thoughts about Ohio State and sort of how you would, you know, I guess compare them to the LSUs and the, the it's kind of hard to compare anybody to Bama right now because of Tua's injury, but, uh, I, you know, are you buying that talk?
0: Well, it's the classic th- – this is the classic debate that we get into every year in college football. How good is a team really versus the path that they've gotten to their, in this case, undefeated record, so the schedule strength. Um, look, you, you play in the Big Ten, typically you don't have to apologize for your schedule. And I'm not asking Ohio State to apologize for anything because it's backloaded. When we get to the second half or the last third, I guess you could say, of the season for Ohio State, that's when they're going to you know, make, make their move, so to speak, as to whether or not they are the best team in college football. The simple answer to your question for me right now is I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, like Justin Fields looks great. Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, he, he was supposed to be very good. That's why he was one of the most highly recruited quarterbacks in the country. But uh, let's see what he does against Wisconsin this weekend. Let's see what he does against Michigan on November the 30th. We're not going to learn anything when they beat uh, Rutgers by 70 points in between. Um, and of course, and I. I, I did not mean to overlook this game because this is a big this might be become the big, the game of the year in the Big 10 actually. Let's see what he does on November 23rd against Penn State. Mm-hmm. That could be one of the best games hopefully in college football this season. So and that's when I'm going to learn just exactly what Ohio State is made of. That's what I'm going to learn what coach Day is made of. That's what I'm going to learn what Justin Fields is made of. I haven't been able to learn much so far. Because who have they been tested by? Michigan State is having a terrible down year this year. Um, Northwestern is not as stingy as they've been in years past. So I haven't been able to to, to judge them based on what wins over Fau, Indiana, Cincinnati, Miami of Ohio, Michigan State, Northwestern. I, I haven't had enough to really get a feel. And this I'm not banging on Ohio State's schedule. We see this every year with certain teams. They're going to earn it. If they if they go undefeated, they're going to have to earn it because beating Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, now you've gotten all the street cred you need. Now Justin Fields can make a, a strong case for the Heisman Trophy. I think he's nine to one now. Uh, Burrow is is the the front runner there, but I just hope Wisconsin shows up for this game. I'm I'm just majorly disappointed that we didn't have a matchup of undefeateds here, and this could have been. The, one of the dream matchups that we were, we're looking forward to this weekend. But I, I imagine Wisconsin, they're well coached. I imagine they will show up for this game. They will be back, and I'm looking forward to a good matchup at high noon.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this is clearly the best team, even with the loss to uh, Illinois last week, that was that uh, Ohio State's played, um, and you're right. I mean, you, you look at the ending to that schedule, the last two weeks of the regular season, Ohio State has Penn State at home, and then goes to Michigan. Um, we may we may be talking about Jim Harbaugh and his job or whatever. I I personally think Jim Harbaugh will have an exit strategy rather than stick around and get fired. I mean, he's not going to go out like Brady Hoke. I'll tell you that right now. But um, you know uh, that that's going to be an interesting last couple of weeks, uh, to be honest. And, and you're right, Ohio State will have earned it. But I, eyeball test wise. Yeah, I think they're pretty good, but as we but as we saw with Clemson last year, who played a just not a very good schedule at all. Um, you know, it didn't matter. At the end of the day, Clemson was good and blowing everybody out, and yeah, we really didn't. You know, the Notre Dame matchup obviously was favorable um, to the Tigers, and then as we saw, they they got to play Alabama, and you know. Were they as battle-tested as the Tide hitting in? No, but they were 28 points better in the championship game. So, so it may not matter, um, but I do think we'll have answers earlier on the Buckeyes this year than maybe Clemson last just because those two games at the end of the year are big. Uh,
0: uh, agreed. Agreed. I, I think there's a sneaky good game in the SEC, and we'll go over the SEC slate as a whole. Uh, people are so high right now on LSU – that they're just assuming that, that LSU is going to run a rough shot over Auburn. I think mm. Auburn might have different ideas about that. I think that still has the potential to be a very good game.
1: It is, and it's it's a point of contention. Auburn fans will tell you about this game in Baton Rouge. They have found all sorts of ways to lose in Baton Rouge over the years. Uh, I think a couple of years ago when they went down there in 2017, they blew a big lead. That was probably one of Ed Orgeron's biggest wins. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Auburn, sometimes these streaks and things like that come to an end. Um, And and they come to an end at inopportune times for the favorite in college football. I would not assume at all. You know, Auburn had a bad game. Bo Nix had a bad game at Florida. Um, And Florida, as we talked about in the episode earlier this week, has found a way to win football games this year. And that's it. Auburn's been pretty good, uh, better than we thought, um, you know. And, and, and Auburn's just as much in the SEC Western Division title hunt as Bama and LSU. And, in fact, now with Tua's injury, Mike, you know, if, if, if he doesn't come back better or, or, or as good as he was, um, maybe he's out for a prolonged period of time. That's a different dynamic. Auburn's really got a path, even with the loss at Florida. They do have a path to win the SEC and get to the college football playoff this year, and if they can beat LSU in Baton Rouge this weekend, something they haven't done often, I think 99 may be the last time they they won, there, won down there, um, if they can do that, then they can get back in the hunt uh, for the playoff, no, no question about it.
0: LSU is an 11-and-a-half point favorite in that game, again at home but not at night. CBS not surprisingly electing to go with that game this week. So it's a three thirty kick Eastern Time. Auburn coming in six and one, three and one. This is going to be, I think, the most daunting challenge for Joe Burrow. Remember when they played Florida? Florida was kind of banged up on that D line. Auburn's D line might be the best in the country. Uh, I I think they. Th- this is where Joe Burrow is going to have to make a statement too. As as right now, the leading Heisman guy. How does he face off against that Auburn defense? I think there's a lot of things that are intriguing about that game. I think it's got the potential to be – it's got one of those kind of – Lights around it that says this could shake the apple cart. This could go ahead and change some things. When everybody is so high in LSU and just kind of, I don't know, Auburn, they had their time. But once they lost to Florida, we forgot about them. Mm, be careful. Just be careful. Some other games in the SEC, Mississippi State at Texas A&M. Really wondering what is going to become of the Joe Moorhead era in Starkville. They lose this one, they would fall to 1-4. and four in conference play and Kellen Mond is having a, a solid year, not a great year uh for Texas A&M, but I still think Texas A&M is a legitimate favorite in this game. I guess Vegas has him as a 10-point favorite, and I don't know where Mississippi State's offense is right now. I I just I can't put my I can't put my arms around it. I, I can't either. It's
1: uh, it's just one of those things that you, you kind of look at, and you know they they went with the guy from you know Dan Mullen graduated from Ursinus College in Pennsylvania, and Joe Moorhead's kind of a northeastern guy too. They went with the same guy, the offensive guy uh, from the northeast, and uh, maybe this is just a year where you know they 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 because they've been playing Garrett Schrader a little bit. You know he's a young guy that's got some good wheels. Um but I don't know. And they're certainly not as good on defense as they were last year. And that LSU game just really wasn't even competitive. I mean, I didn't think. I thought it was kind of one of those things where it just, you know, they tried. It was in Starkville, you know. So uh I don't know. I remember Texas A and M and Mississippi State playing one heck of an independence bowl one year uh in the snow. So I thought that was kind of that was kinda cool. But Mississippi State has actually had very big success against the Aggies since the Aggies joined uh, the Southeastern Conference. They've won three in a row, actually, 2016 through 2018. Uh, the Bulldogs have won that game. And uh, going to College Station, I, I, I would tell you this, I think it's equally going to be bad for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, we do DEFCON yeah. every week. They lo- Aggies lose this game. I think we got to start including – uh, A&M somewhere around DEFCON 3 or something because they're going to fall to 4-4 four and four, and they'll still have Georgia and LSU um, left on the schedule along with some other teams.
0: And they'd be 2-3 and three in the SEC? Yeah. And, and look, I, I think the expectations were out of whack. I said that back in August for Texas A&M. I think too many people just said, well, we're A&M, it's Jimbo Fisher, $75 million. Poof, 10-11 wins this year. I never bought into that. Because uh, I, I just look at that roster, I don't buy into that. I, I, they're not there yet. They might get there, but they're not there yet. And if they lose this game, yeah, it's going to be a perhaps very impatient part of the fan base. And it's going to be a wait a minute now. I thought I thought we were going to have a, an immediate uh, return on this investment. It is year two, after all.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> year
0: two. So we should be winning a bunch of games. Again, it's not always fair, but reality is reality in terms of what fan bases think and expect. I'd be very curious what the fan bases are thinking at the end of this game. South Carolina at Tennessee. Gamecocks got jobbed on multiple calls in that Florida game. It was a less-than-banner day for the SEC officiating crew uh, at home in Columbia, against Florida on a a blatant false start that was on a touchdown, on a blatant hold 40 yards down the field, on a reception for a touchdown, and on a blatant pick play. So I guess that's three egregious misses that they had. And, of course, that that sent Will Muschamp into orbit in terms of on the temper (laughs) meter and got another 15-yard penalty. I, I would imagine that South Carolina will be pretty fired up and Tennessee, meanwhile, look, here's what I'll say about Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee, and they got jobbed on a call or two as well, but the, really the, the, where that game turned is that inexplicably Garantano does his own thing on a play that was designed to go one way on a on – a, was a third and goal or fourth and goal for the one – and and he does exactly what his coaches tell him not to do, fumbles the ball, and Alabama takes the other way. If he just does what he's supposed to do, it's a score. And it's a one-possession game in the fourth quarter in Alabama. So I say all that to get to this. His kids are playing hard. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you think of Jeremy Pruitt, his kids are playing hard at Tennessee, and – I I think this actually becomes a pretty intriguing game. It's not going to have any – neither one of these teams are winning the East. But I I do think that this is an intriguing game because the winner gets kind of a a glimpse of hope, a glimmer of hope, and the loser, again, it's uh, fire this guy, fire that guy, uh, a cesspool of negativity at that point.
1: Well, South Carolina and Tennessee, this is a fascinating series because it's usually close. Um, It's a a game where starting with when Lou Holtz came to South Carolina, uh, starting with the 2000 game, all of a sudden these two teams start playing really close football games. Uh, There's been a couple that have gotten out of hand either way. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin, his one year at Tennessee, he he got a hold of Steve Spurrier pretty good by like 18 up there. But it's usually a one possession down of the wire game, and it doesn't matter. Derek Dooley and one of his worst Tennessee teams, I think his last Tennessee team that got him fired, they were going in to upset the Gamecocks in 2012. A really good Gamecock team. It was the second Marcus Lattimore injury. And and Clowney had to force a fumble uh, to preserve the win. Uh, Sean Elliott's interim, Tennessee, interim South Carolina team went to Tennessee, almost beat Butch Jones. Um, and one of Butch's better teams in 2015, Will Muschamp has never lost to the Vols as a head coach. He's seven and zero. And random South, stat. South Carolina has never beaten Tennessee four years straight in this series. So, mm. and has only won in Knoxville three times, and their three wins in Knoxville are by the scores of 16 to 15, 14 to three, and 15 to nine. Ugly. <laughs> so. I don't know. I think this is a fascinating series. I, I'm with you. I, you know, look. Jeremy Pruitt's probably not going to have a winning season this year, but I, I'm leaning toward they're going to give him another year. Uh, I don't think with Will if Will Muschamp gets to a bowl game, or I think the Georgia win sort of kind of reset him a little bit and shows some progress is being made. But it, it's going to get all the positivity uh, coming from the Georgia win. Is going to like be out the window if the Gamecocks don't win this game because after this they got Vandy, App State, Texas A&M, and Clemson. Uh, you know, how, how are they going to piece together three more wins to get to get to a bowl? I mean, I, I just mm-hmm. don't know if they lose this one. So that that is an intriguing football game.
0: Uh, it, it, look, Jeremy Pruitt can't be fired at the end of this year. I. I I almost want to say i don't care what happens i mean that maybe leaves a little bit too much latitude but they they can't get rid of him after year two phil Fulmer's not coaching tennessee can't continually go through this revolving door of firing coaches it's not working that way you made this hire you went back on an original hire you didn't go after you didn't you didn't want mike leach for whatever uh reason some people there just didn't want him didn't like him you can't turn the clock back. I mean, you've you've got to give this guy at least three years. You want to rip him, fine. You want to criticize him, fine. But I I just don't think there should be hot seat talk with Jeremy Pruitt in year two. I yeah.
1: Well, if he hadn't lost disagree? A, if he hadn't lost to Georgia State, I mean.
0: Well, I get it. It's yeah. an embarrassing loss, and it might not be their last embarrassing loss. <laughs> uh, and they might lose to Vanderbilt again, which is be, inexcusable. But bad. <laughs> But what are you going to do? I mean, you, if you fire him, now what?
1: I mean, unless you can get Matt Rule to come take the Tennessee job, Matt Campbell Don't to come, or P.J. Hall. Fleck. To come to, And P.J. Fleck could be a guy you could get, and he would make
0: sense because he's a great recruiter. No, I thought he should have been higher up on the food chain the last time no, Tennessee I coach,
1: I don't think that's – Tennessee, if you notice their little hiring pattern that they've gone through, they've either gone like way outside of the box. They went way outside of the box with Kiffin. But then they've they played it safe. You know, yeah. Butch Jones was the next guy from Cincinnati. Derek Dooley was a Dooley. You know, coach for Nick Saban. You know, two former Saban assistants. Um, you know, Pruitt, by the time it got to him, I, th- I thought it was a pretty solid hire. Um, and and I, I don't think any of those guys are coming. And I, I think Tennessee folks need to just batten down the hatches. And you got there's one way to get out of this, and that's to recruit your way out of it. I do think his kids are playing hard. I, I think they have quarterback issues more so than anything this season. Um, and it's because they have offensive line issues as well. Uh, I don't even know if the, the freshman is going to play Mauer. Uh, if he does, the Gamecocks better be careful because Tennessee, when he plays, Tennessee has enough talent at receiver to really give the Gamecocks secondary some problems. But I, uh, I don't think you fire him after this year. You know, I, I personally don't think South Carolina will fire Will Muschamp unless the Gamecocks do something like only win one more game this year. Because um, I, I think that's another situation where, you know, more time is needed. But if I'm Tennessee, I'm batting down the hatches and I'm saying, all right, I'm sticking with this guy for five years, six years, maybe, no matter what. Because and, and, then, if the I don't know about that long. <laughs> but, you know, well, look, it, it, nothing's worked before. Because you've you, you, you've got a situation where you gotta you gotta rebuild the roster. You gotta do this. Yeah. You gotta do that, and take your lumps. And then if you have to fire him after five or six years, the next guy is going to inherit. A better situation
0: than because he can recruit.
1: Yeah, because he can, he can recruit. He can evaluate talent. Okay. Um, you, you look at kind of his specialty up there. They have a really good. Vols have a good secondary. You know, they just it just takes time. It takes time yeah. to kind of restock the lines of scrimmage. And you know, quite frankly, you know, Tennessee has good news and bad news. They have good news in the sense that their state is producing more talent than ever. The state of Tennessee it used to be they had to go out of state, and they still do to a certain extent. The bad news is a lot of those kids are leaving for other schools, out right. of state. <laughs> you know, t- Tennessee is getting like kind of like they used to do to other programs. You know, their their state's getting rated right now. So I don't know. I would just probably give it five or six years because I mean nothing else has worked. So you may as well, well try to try to do the play the long game with uh, with old
0: Pruitt up there i'll I'll probably go somewhere in the middle and say four years you know give give them another couple and and see where it's going and uh, at that point, you know, and again, when I say where it's going, I don't mean ten and two i, I there's there's way too many fan bases that think they're ten win programs that just simply aren't <laughs> they just they look at it and say well we've done it once before we 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 did it ten years ago we that's There's only so many that are going to win 10 in a league like the SEC and start stacking yourself up to the elite of that conference and ask yourself if you're there. And then ask yourself, well, if we fire the coach or bring in another coach, are we going to be there? uh, Sometimes reality is a really cold and harsh thing, but it's still reality. Uh, Anyway, that one's at 4 o'clock in Knoxville. Beautiful 66 degrees weather expected. There at uh, Neyland Stadium, um, also known as Neyland Stadium, Arkansas at Alabama. Yeah. What, what are we going to say here next? I mean, <sighs> a- Alabama's going to go to eight zero and five and zero in the SEC, and Arkansas is is just they're just going to hope that Raheem Boyd can get a hundred yards.
1: I, I would think too that this may be one of those thirty-one to seven type games. I don't expect. Bama with their backup quarterback to be, you know, quite as explosive. Maybe they will be. Who knows? But uh, I, I thought that, you know, Tua and, and those receivers had it down to a science, like with the RPOs and things they were running and uh, how they were running the offense this year. But, you know, Mac Jones is capable. So we'll see. But I, I think it'll be like a 31-7 to 7 type of game, and it'll... People will start going, oh, maybe Arkansas is not all that bad, and then something bad will happen the next week. So, it's,
0: Arkansas <laughs> loses; they would fall to zero and five in the SEC, and then the nightcap, prime time under the lights at Kroger Field. It's Mizzou at Kentucky.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Look, you know, I'm seeing a path for Kentucky now, even though they got their wide receiver at quarterback, Lynn Bowden. Um, he was 2-for-15 against Georgia this past weekend. They got shot. That was
0: a tough game to watch. Oh, brutal. <laughs> that but, was um... a tough game. I did give Lynn Bowden all the credit in the world, but he's he's trying to channel his inner Randall Cobb. But he, being a high school quarterback and running an offense in the SEC are two different things. Kids playing with a ton of heart. But but they are, they are pretty much, unless they're playing Arkansas, pretty much hopeless in the passing game right now.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, I I thought Vandy was pretty much done and, you know, Vandy ups and and beats Missouri last week. Uh, You know, that kind of – that has to like – you know, and and see, there's all these questions about Missouri too as to whether or not they're even going to go to the postseason. As those losses happen, you know, and Barry Odom has done a good job of getting the kids up and keeping them fresh and all that this year and and focused and they've won some games. But as those things happen, you have to look at the focus – you know this game last year. If we remember, you know Kentucky won at fifteen to fourteen, kind of inexplicably. It was a low scoring game. If Kentucky can get in that kind of game, uh, they can win, and then they can beat Tennessee the next week, and then they go to Vanderbilt and win, and then they beat UT Martin, and all of a sudden Kentucky's seven and four without a passing offense.
0: Hmm. Mark Stoops, coach of the year. Uh, if, if I'm Kentucky, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to sign that man to a, like a lifetime contract. <laughs> I'm serious and I'm sure there's going to be a a program that goes after him if there hasn't already been, but uh, he seems, I mean, to me, that's just, that's one of the best fits going right now in college football. And again, their fan base, I I think is pretty realistic. I was just actually up there for the blue white game and watch the football game with some Kentucky football fans, many of whom I've never met before in my life, Uh, but they're realistic you know, because they haven't they haven't tasted a whole lot of what they did last year at 10-win season. So they know that that's not the norm. They know that's not going to be the norm, even if they had a healthy Terry Wilson, which certainly would have made a difference this year for for Big Blue. But um, now you're playing a wide receiver quarterback. It is what it is. And they're still fighting. I mean, they played hard in that Georgia game. They did. It was actually competitive for the most part until one of the many – Quagmire-induced fumbles that left Kentucky in the lurch. But uh, look, I, I I I like what they are right now as a program. I, I like what they are and and where they're going this year. They can just get to a bowl game and uh, and, and hopefully have an actual quarterback playing by year's end. You know that that'll give the fan base something to feel good about. Uh, That's the SEC. Any games outside of the Southeastern Conference? We already mentioned, of course, the the biggest one in the Big Ten. Anything else that strikes your fancy?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I'm kind of looking uh, at it right now. I'll go out to the Big 12 um, and, uh, you know, the game that uh, you kind of look at with, with that league is going to be Oklahoma at Kansas State. I love the coach at Kansas State, Uh, Clem, Klein, Clem. I don't remember his name, but I love him because he was at North Dakota State. He was a national championship winning coach on the 1AA level, FCS, and he's won. And Oklahoma's got to go up there. This is a dangerous game for the Sooners. Let me repeat myself. This is a dangerous game for the Sooners. Manhattan, Kansas is, is the place where upsets happen. Um, Dangerous game there. I'm intrigued by Texas at TCU because, you know, we kind of talked about teams that quit sometimes. And I'm not saying Texas has quit. I'm saying the Oklahoma <laughs> loss took a lot out of them. The LSU loss took a lot out of them. And now you kind of got to ask yourself, are you, what are you trying to do here? Get, get to second so you can get to the Big 12 title game. They lose to TCU, which has also struggled at times this year, uncharacteristically. Um you know, they're not going, they're going to, I mean, they're not even going to the sugar bowl. I mean, so you got to kind of wonder about Texas. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's it. Iowa state, by the way, is five and two. They've turned it around with uh, Matt Campbell there, which is not a surprise. And they play the mullet this weekend. So that'll be a, a very interesting matchup as well. I'm a little bit intrigued by Notre Dame, Michigan. Um, if Harbaugh wins that game, does that count as a quote unquote big win for him?
0: No. Not big enough. It's
1: at the big house. It's an odd, odd spot for this game to be in late October this year, but uh it's because it's usually the opener. You know, they usually play <laughs> like early. Um so I'm a little bit intrigued by that. Uh we mentioned Oregon on the earlier. Uh, deal this uh, the, our earlier episode this week, and uh, they play Mike Leach's Fighting Washington State Cougars, Oregon. The Pac-12 has to be behind you. You cannot lose. You cannot lose if you're going to try to make the playoff. Tell
0: that to the Pac-12 officials, since everybody thinks there's a conspiracy going on in the SEC.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely definitely there too. Uh,
0: <laughs> in the ACC, Dukes play in North Carolina. It's a rivalry uh, but, game. Can I go back by the way, it's Chris Kleiman of Kansas State. Yeah, and I Kleinman. and I I, mean, I didn't mean to sound so cynical on Michigan. Michigan Notre Dame's a big game, okay? Um Michigan, Notre Dame, it's there's there's history there, there's everything else, it's the big house. Notre Dame's a quality football team. Uh Michigan opened up as a four point favorite, and now now Notre Dame in a lot of on a lot of Vegas boards is a one point favorite. I, smart money is what you call that. Typically, I, I'm not saying it's not a big game. If Michigan wins it, it's great. But but people are still going to look at what Jim Harbaugh does in big games in the Big Ten, predominantly. Mm-hmm. And you just had another crack at it and you failed. And if you lose to Ohio State at home and fail on that, a win over Notre Dame is just, it's going to be a a memory. Like it's it's not going to be a a huge feather in the cap for Jim Harbaugh. So I, I, I'm not discouraging people to not watch this game. I'm looking forward to it. Michigan-Notre Dame is a fun game to watch. I'm just saying in the in the specific realm of Jim Harbaugh's approval rating slash job security, I don't know what it means in the end if you keep losing to the upper echelon of the Big Ten.
1: I, yeah, I mean, Michigan people are beside themselves about Ohio State. And the, the, really, this whole millennium, Ohio State's gone like, you know, what, what are they since 2000 against the Wolverines? Two and one, two and two. Then they reeled all eight and two, nine, two and three, 12, 15. Six. They're 16 and three against Michigan since 2000. Six, mm. 16 and three, Mike. That's a big time. and There's been some big time games where this has meant a lot, including last year, and Ohio State's just taking it to them. And, and don't forget, they're on currently a seven-game win streak. Notre Dame series isn't like that. So, you know, I, I do think that you're, you, there is something to be said about that, specifically about that Ohio State game. Harbaugh beats the Buckeyes this year in Ann Arbor.
0: That solves everything. That solves
1: everything. But, yeah. For the
0: time I, being, uh, that would solve so many ills yeah. facing him and Michigan football. You could lose to Notre Dame by 50. Just beat Ohio State this year. And everybody will be back on that bandwagon.
1: I agree. I, I think so, too. I mean, I, I think that's the big deal there. So, All we'll,
0: right. We'll see. Week nine. It's coming at you, folks. Maybe we'll have another stunning upset or two. Let's hope so. Exactly. Let's hope we have some good games this uh, I'm, weekend. I'm fired up about it. So, yeah, yeah. Fired up. We finally got fall weather just about everywhere. Yes. No more playing in 88, 90 degrees. Yes. So it should be good. All right. Folks, hope team's win. We'll talk about it next week. Again, we do two of these each and every week now, kind of a review. And then a preview. The review will come out about Tuesday and then the preview toward the end of the week. For J.C. Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long for now. Another award-winning J.C. and Morgan podcast.
1: All right, man. Good.